Hello, and welcome back to Diversity on Fire. This is Heather coming from New Hampshire. Nina coming from Iowa. And this is Ashley from North Carolina. Our goal with Diversity on Fire is to inspire you to think and act differently. We'll do this by sharing our open conversations on controversial issues surrounding all types of diversity-related topics. Today, we have a special guest with us who is truly passionate about health and wellness. Our guest today studied history at the University of New Hampshire and is currently studying at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She is also a vegan health coach, a sports nutrition specialist, and an ACE certified personal trainer. To say that she has dedicated her life to wellness is a huge understatement. And we are super excited to learn more about her and her journey. Without further ado, we would like to welcome our guest, Brianne Chalet. Thank you. Yay. Brianne, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're so excited to talk to you. Uh, In our fire starter last week, we discussed some of our personal stories with food. Um, Some of them good, some of them a little bit dramatic, but lots of things. And we'd love to start there with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with food growing up? And then at what point did health and wellness become such a focal point in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So growing up, um, I'm from a Wonder Bread family. Wonder Bread, mac and cheese. If it went in a microwave or a toaster, it was on my dining room table. I love my parents. They're not cooks. Yeah, so like macaroni and cheese, meat and potatoes. My grandparents cooked that. My parents cooked it. And I became a vegetarian in high school. Everybody was doing it. And <laughs> it wasn't a phase for you. Everybody else does a three-week um, vegetarian yeah, phase. Yeah, it wasn't. It, no, so I, I, I went into it and I came out of it and I went back to it again. It was okay. a 10-year thing the first time around. Um, so, yeah, I was a vegetarian from my freshman year of high school. Did that for 10 years. Came out of it um, when I was really not doing it right. I was I was doing the vegetarian thing. I was not eating meat. I was eating dairy products. I was, uh, I was eating a lot of cheese. I was eating a lot of carbs. Um, and when I started eating meat again, it was for energy issues. Um, and that I thought I was going to, I was going to uh, have better energy uh, reintroducing the other kinds of protein back into my diet. And, and it turns out I needed to cut other things out of my diet rather than putting the animal protein back in. Um, and so eventually I got to where I am now, which is um, full vegan. But I, yeah, I went through the carb diet. I've done the carb diet. I've done the all meat diet. I've done the no meat diet. I've done the um, sugar-free diet. Still on that one. Love that. I have done the Mediterranean diet. I have done keto. I, if, if it's out there, I've tried it. And um, in the end, I settled. Uh, the vegan one seems to give me the most amount of energy. And the science behind it makes the most sense for me. Uh, it was an interesting journey trying to do family things going through all of those different diets. I still have an uncle who teases me about being vegetarian. I haven't seen him since I became completely vegan. And that was about four years ago. Anytime you get together with people, uh, that seems to be a, a difficult a, a difficult time when you embrace non-popular uh, diet plans. But uh, yeah, uh, so in and out of different diets and really settled into this one that really, really makes me feel good. And I've seen so many good benefits from it myself and other people um, that I talk to on a regular basis that do the same thing. So this is super interesting to me. The, so you, you've tried, you just listed off a ton of different, different diets. So as you're going through those different diets and kind of that journey, was it mainly which one made you feel the best? 
was it trying to, because obviously you, you are very into fitness as well. So I know you mentioned the energy. Yeah. So obviously you're, you're looking for that always. But what, what was the catalyst for trying all these different things, if there was one? Yeah, so each one had its own specific reasons. Um, the vegetarian diet in the first place, A, my friends were doing it, and B, um, I was into the sort of ethical animal side of things. Um, so that made sense to me at the time. Um, and then I got into working out. I, I really was like pushing myself on the the fitness side of things. And I was hitting a wall. I was getting to a place where I felt like I couldn't go any further. And I thought I should be able to go further. And I was like, okay, what am I missing? What do I need to tweak or fix to be able to do that? And that's when I brought the the meat back in. And then uh, there were days where I just felt like heavy. I felt like, like I was weighed down and, um, and I felt like I was missing some of the, uh, benefits that I had been getting on the meat-free diet. So I'm like, all right, what else is out there? Then to, what year is this? Oh, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, um, I had thyroid cancer. Um, I had thyroid cancer and uh, I had my thyroid removed, which is, uh, you know, as cancers go, it's not the worst one to get. I, I have a condition called hypoparathyroid. There we go. So when they mm -hmm. take your thyroid out, sometimes your parathyroid, which regulates the calcium in your body, stops working one in every thousand or something like that. And I was one of those lucky one in a thousand. Um, so you have to regulate your own, your calcium in your body for the rest of your life when that happens. And it got me um, reading and looking into information about how your body absorbs nutrients. So I started down that path about um, how, how your body actually handles all these vitamins that I was now having to take, right? What kinds of vitamins work better in your body and what kinds don't. And um, you, you absorb the vitamins much more um, efficiently through food, because food has the right balance of the other vitamins that your body needs to absorb any one specific one. So like calcium works better in your body if vitamin D is present, and they can pack those into a vitamin tablet. But if you can get it from food, it's better. I started out learning about that particular one. And then moving down the road, I started to learn about all the other different vitamins and minerals and the most efficient food forms to get those vitamins and minerals in. That sort of, um, you know, had a domino effect into um, learning about other things that help you, your body absorb nutrients or help your body process carbohydrates better, or help your body break down fats better. It's like a snowball from just the vitamin part of it to all your macronutrients in your food. That's when I started to explore the, the vegan thing. Um, when your body has inflammation, lots of inflammation, which you can get by having too many processed foods in your diet, too much sugar, um, too many of the things that you find in standard farmed meats, like uh, hormones they put in to make the animals grow faster, um, or produce more milk or whatever. Um, that stuff all has an effect on your body and your body's ability to absorb nutrients, and your therefore your body's ability to perform as an athlete or just to be in a healthy, neutral state. So I started to remove the animal products that are most associated with inflammation. And that's how I came to veganism. Wow. I'm curious, especially since you've been so attuned to your body and your health and wellness for so long, how was it that you ended up discovering that you did have cancer? So I, so I had thyroid cancer. Um, so the thyroid is, um, it's a small, if, for anyone that doesn't know, it's a, a small organ in, in the lower portion of your neck. 
about the size and shape of a walnut. Most people um, over the course of their lives, um, about 80% of people, I believe is the current statistic, at some point will get um, little nodules that just normally naturally grow on the thyroid. And um, some people will have them and never ever know that they had them and other people they will um, could grow and be nothing wrong with them at all. Um, some people it affects the, uh, their voice or their breathing and that's when they worry about them. Um, if they put pressure on, on things. So I had this thing sticking out of my throat. I looked like I had an Adam's apple, like some guys have, you know, their base of their neck really sticks out. And um, I had it checked out and they're like, no, you just have these nodules, not a problem. People get them all the time. Just, you know, if it starts to affect your voice or your swallowing, let us know. I'm like, yeah, sure. A couple of years went by and um, I was like, you know, I, I really, I really, I can't say a thousand percent for sure, but I really feel like it's kind of maybe affecting when I swallow. I can like feel it in a way that I couldn't before. And they're like, yeah, okay, it's no problem. We'll go in, we'll take a look at it again. And this time they're like, oh, oh, mm, let's, let's stick a needle in that. And they were like, yeah, that's what we thought. It's not good. It's got to come out. Yeah, they asked uh, a million questions to f- try to figure out where it came from. And uh, the first question they asked me, which put me back a little, was, have you ever visited Chernobyl? No. What? No. Wow. No, thanks for asking. <laughs> thanks for asking. Apparently, um, so people that have no family history of it, some sort of traumatic radiation exposure is um, the first thing they think of. And that's pretty high on the list, I guess, Chernobyl. Holy so that was, that was the first question. So that tone of O and then followed with a question about Chernobyl, I would have slapped someone. Like, can we have a little <laughs> bit more delicacy here? Holy bucket. <laughs> like, yeah, proud of you for not of... assaulting a medical professional. <laughs> I think he blew our minds with that one. Well, uh... <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I hate to say I love telling that story, but I love telling that story because everybody reacts the way you guys just did. <laughs> well, I think one thing that I would take from that story that I want to make sure that everyone is clear on is you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. Because That's literally what I was thinking too. Yeah. I mean, if you hadn't been persistent And what if you're someone that's not in the best health and something like achy or something weird is not a surprise to you because you're not the healthiest, you're not as attuned to your body. You just, you just have to be our own advocate because doctors are fantastic, but they're not miracles. So, and because we're talking about nutrition, because we're talking about food, I, I want to just throw in real quick. Food is such a huge part. It affects so many things in, in your life. And really there are so, so many illnesses that are a thousand percent food related and the average regular family practice doctor gets like 19 hours out of the like thousands and thousands of hours that they spend leading up to their degree because they have so much to learn about they just don't get that much nutrition time and um, uh, unless you get sent to somebody that is a food specialist they might not say hey maybe your um you know your joint swelling is because you have an allergy to this food, or maybe you're, um, instead of just taking insulin for your high blood sugar and walking out the door knowing you're supposed to eat less sugar and less white foods, maybe I should actually talk to somebody about how I need to be eating these other things that are going to help control that. And really, there's like all of these different health issues can be toned down a lot by um, integrating food choices into your therapies and working with your doctor and with a food person both letting Um, food be thy medicine yep you've covered several years in just trying all that stuff and going through the processes 
what was driving your information education? So, you know, at what point were you just going off the fads? Were you researching stuff? And, you know, was there some kind of metamorphosis in how you educated yourself or, you know, how you came into contact with these different trends? Sure. Um, so I'd start any particular, like the, learning about my, my base nutrients that I require based on my, my post thyroid cancer thing. I start with my doctor and he would say, you know, you can read this and I'd read this. And then I go to the, the notes section in the back and I read all of the books that that book was based on and all of the books that book was based on and be like, that looks interesting. Let me try that. And you start to see the names of these doctors showing up in um, the reference section of these diets. And then uh, as I progressed in my fitness journey, um, I am a group exercise instructor and a personal trainer. And you start to see these doctors names pop up in the reference sections of your fitness books as well. So I would read the next doctor down on the list. So if, if whenever I hear about a new diet, if somebody asks me questions about it, I have clients come to me all the time and they're like, oh, I heard about this. It's supposed to be good for fat loss or it's supposed to be good for building muscle. What do you think? My immediate answer is give me a couple of days and uh, I will go out and I'll grab the popular book off the shelf that they're getting their information from and I'll do the website search. Uh, and then I go to the health journals and the the, um, the medical journals that have the studies on the same diet. And and I do the, the scientific follow-up on these as well to see not only what are the advertising agencies trying to get you to buy into on these particular diets, but what's the medical information behind it and what are the medical journals saying and the health professionals. Can I just applaud you in general for your response of let me take a couple days before I formulate an opinion? <laughs> like that's so refreshing yeah, instead of just like the knee jerk, like this is what I think about this, even though I don't know anything about it. Like that. Just thank you for being an educated person. I appreciate you deeply. <laughs> that's I, I've been in too many situations where somebody gives you a wrong answer and you start to build an idea off a wrong answer. So whenever possible, if I'm going to tell the truth and I'm really, like, you know what, I don't know the answer, but let me find out for you. Amen. This <laughs> is what we like. I agree. So you're vegan and veganism sometimes is really a hot button issue. It's mm -hmm. a lot of people. And most of us have run into situations where we've run into a vegan who's maybe been a little condescending or rude about, you know, us not being vegans. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and sometimes that turns, you know, tends to turn a certain audience off or just, just scare people away from the message. Mm -hmm. And so all that being said, as somebody who is a vegan, you know, how many positive aspects, you know, can you share with us about what that looks like when it's done properly? And, you know, for example, you know, as a vegan and as a coach, what's your approach when you're working with people as individuals? Um, I treat everybody as an individual. So um, when you go into a conversation with somebody about food of any kind, about veganism, um, you have to approach it with an open mind and, and understand that not every person is going to have exactly the same um, nutrition requirements that I have. They're not going to have the same goals with their body and their mind that I have. They're not going to have, they're not going to be looking to get to the same place. They may have different moral ideas going into something like veganism. Um, so I just try to keep an open mind with people. 
and um, listen to what it is exactly that they're trying to accomplish by by making a diet change or what they're trying to accomplish and which diet is going to work best for them. Because um, I am a vegan health coach, but I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody. I'm going to recommend that somebody do what's going to be best for them. So I have a question about the term diet and whether or not I am in any way normal or if I'm just a complete outlier, which is probable. I like my skin crawls at just the word diet. Like I, yeah. and I don't, we, I don't know you were meeting just right now. I have um, struggled with an eating disorder for what's creeping up on 15 years now. So talking about food or, or eating habits or anything like that, just, just emotionally, I react in a very negative way to just mm-hmm. the idea of starting a conversation like that. I know I'm not the only one that's ever had an eating disorder in the world, but if I were to come to you as your client, is that something that you've had to address before? Is that something you work with regularly? Do you have experience with that? Yeah. Um, I think some people think diet's a four letter word mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's not, I mean, everything, everything that you eat is diet. It's your diet. There are name brand diets. There are fad diets. There are popular diets that are sometimes meant to attempt to be long-term some that are meant to be something you do for a short period of time and then you do something else. But really a diet is, it's what you do all the time. It's what you put all of the time on a regular basis into your body. That is your diet. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a scary thing. It doesn't have to be, oh my God, oh, not a diet, not that, right? Because I definitely, I used to think of it that way. I definitely mm-hmm. used to think of it that way. Someone would be like, what's your diet? Um, and you'd get, oh, I'm not on a diet or I don't mm-hmm. want it. Or it's always, it's, it is very, very often um, thought of negatively by people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I generally try to help people reframe the idea of the word and okay. just to see it as um, it, it, it is, it's something that you do every day. And it's something that's going to be, that's a whole part of you. Your diet is part of you. And okay. your approach to your diet should be the same. You know, if you're excited, if you want to, you know, if if you want diet to be a bad thing, it's going to be a bad thing. But we can definitely make it something that's good. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's a really healthy perspective. I know from my own personal experience, then speaking with other people who have struggled with eating disorders, their relationship with food, my relationship with food is all encompassing. So when you try to make a massive sweeping life change and you label it as diet, like that's it's terrifying. Yeah. So if you reframe the word first, I mean, that makes it a much more tackleable issue. Mm-hmm. Who do you work with the most, would you say, in terms of when you're working with clients? Is it mostly people that are trying to make a more sweeping uh, change in their life because they know they don't feel good and they want to feel better? Or do you work with people that are maybe in a place that you were close to where there may be vegetarian and they want to stay that way, but there's something missing and you're trying to help them sort through the best way to approach the diet. I work with lots of different people. Um, My primary access point to um, clients is through the fitness world. So I I get a full spectrum because you have, you have everybody in the fitness world. You have like elite athletes and I have people that have walked into my door today for the very first time and said, I need to, or I want to, or someone told me I should, or I don't feel great and I want to, and they give you all these reasons why they want to work out. 
And I'm like, that's fantastic. Come on in, let's do this. And then a little ways down the road, you say, okay, how you doing? And if the answer is, I feel like I could do better, then you say, let's talk about your food. Um, so I get the full range of that fitness level. And with that full range of fitness level, you've got these elite athletes that eat terrible food. And you've got these elite athletes that eat fantastic and you have these people that just walk in the door. They've got the food thing sorted out. They feel great on that side of things. And they literally don't know how to put on a pair of sneakers and, and you know, put their hands in the air a little bit. Um, and so, again, it's that really, really personal approach to what is this person good at now? What is this person trying to accomplish and how can we get you there? That's so important. My sister is an elite athlete that has bounced back and forth between everything that you just described. She has... She has had a spectacular diet. She has had an absolute trash diet. We joked last week when we talked, she's now uh, what she labels as a freegan, which if she's preparing her own food, then it will be vegan. But if someone else is mm. buying or preparing her food, she'll eat whatever is on the table. <laughs> and you get a, a lot of people who are like that who want to do, um, I get people that want to do the vegan thing, but they travel a lot for work. And it can be really mm -hmm. difficult depending on where in the world you're going mm -hmm. to um, do that. So they end up, being a, a mostly vegan mm -hmm. and uh and then when they're doing their work thing or when they're doing their travel thing they they make the best choices they can make away but with the understanding that you just can't always stick to it so can you can you expand on that a little bit like if so, if so the idea of going from like just a normal regular american diet which for the most part is probably mostly trash to mm -hmm. vegan is an aggressive shift can mm -hmm. you can you talk a little bit about like some baby steps, like if if yeah. you were speaking to a client that traveled a whole bunch and maybe going full vegan wasn't an option, what's what's a good like step in the right direction or a middle ground? Yeah, sure. Can I say first? There's a term and um, it, it's a medical a medical um, field and the professional the nutrition field. They call it SAD, Standard American Diet. <laughs> okay, which is SAD. That's perfect. That says it. <laughs> that's really fair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so absolutely. I, I think the most important thing when you're first getting started is to um, take manageable steps. There are definitely people out there with the personality type who can say, I want to do this, boom, and they're going to jump right into it and be successful forever. Mm -hmm. the, those people are out there. Most of the time, most people are um, something somewhere along that path and not quite, quite, not quite that personality type. Right. Uh, so what I would suggest first is um, to figure out what the most important part of this is to you or what the things are that you struggle with the most and maybe work partially with those first and then partially with working other foods into your diet. It is much easier to add things to your diet than it is to take things away, right? So if you want to say, I want to stop eating this food, if you start eating more of these other foods that you would rather be eating, that leaves less room for the things you don't want to eat anymore. Oh, right? that's kind of brilliant. Yeah. How, <laughs> how simple of a concept that none of us have ever thought of before. That's so good. So, and then you don't feel like you're necessarily feel like you're missing stuff. You feel like you've gotten what you need. And maybe I don't need to eat that, that thing hmm. that I wanted to put in my mouth first because I filled up on these other things first. Right. Huh. I need to apply that concept and add more water and less wine. <laughs> I don't know. I Jesus, mean, it's all about the water and the wine. You can do both. Every it's about <laughs> yeah. balance. Mm -hmm. It's all about a balance. <laughs> and you don't need to cut anything out. I mean, some people think it's all or nothing. 
And, and again, like the people that can go from one diet straight into another and be successful with it, some people can say, I'm not going to eat this one food anymore and instantly cut it out. Even if you're talking about one food, like wine, for example, you, you said wine. Um, some people can say, I'm never going to drink wine again, and they never do. And other people, you know, a week later, they're like, oh, man, I miss that glass of wine. So mm -hmm. have a couple ounces, you know, mm -hmm. say instead of having a bottle over the course of this week. We're not going to say in one day. We're going to say over the course of a week. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to I'm going to take that bottle and they make half bottles. So this week I'm going to buy a half bottle. And at the end of the week, I can only have I'll just have that half bottle. And then they make the quarter bottle size. So, you know, in a couple of months, I'm going to be down to just a quarter of a bottle in a week. And from there, you know, if keep them as needed, you know, if you have a day where you just feel like you're relaxed and you want to have a glass of wine, have one glass of wine instead of having it every day or having a whole bottle in a week or or something like that. If you cut it all together, what's going to happen is you're going to get that massive craving and, you, and you're going to go and you're just going to have too much of it instead of having just a little bit. That's so fascinating. I um I did actually see a nutritionist for a little while, um, kind of further back in my kind of therapy process. But it was so funny because I was telling her, I was like, I do such a great job like managing my diet when I'm at work because I had, I was working in fine dining at the time. I had access, like immediate easy access to really good food all day long. And so I would eat like just scrambled eggs in the morning and then like meat and lean vegetables for lunch every day. And I felt like a champion, like I was doing it right. And then I would get home and the wheels would fall off. And she was like, yeah, cause you're starving. Yeah. Like you haven't eaten anything <laughs> with any substance all day long. So you get home and you eat $30 worth of McDonald's on the driveway. <laughs> like that's, that's because you're hungry. So it's, it was just, I feel like conversations with people like you who know what you're talking about, you're educated, you have perspective and empathy for the SAD, the standard American diet and the effects <laughs> that it has on us. Like it's so enlightening and so many people I think just don't know to even to reach out. So thank you for even having this conversation with us. Oh, thank you for asking me to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Your veganism, is it driven primarily by health and wellness? Is it driven primarily by concerns about animal welfare? Um, you know, what is your primary driving? Um, I would have to say, for me personally, there is there is very definitely an animal welfare aspect to it. That was part of the reason that way back in the beginning in high school, I did become vegetarian. Um, and that certainly stuck with me even when I, during the period when I no longer was vegetarian, I still was very um, aware of where my meats were uh, sourced from, like how those animals were raised and things like that. So that's always consciously um, in my mind. And it's definitely, definitely a factor, but I absolutely, um, I'm absolutely health oriented in the, my next round in, abs in going completely vegan. It was definitely um, health and energy related and just keeping, um, keeping the inflammation down in my body and trying to keep out a lot of the things that are, that are getting, finding their way into um, our foods and finding their way out of our foods, like processed foods. Um, you lose your vitamins, you lose your minerals. They try to refortify them. It just doesn't process in your body the same way that whole natural foods do. So yeah, definitely yeah, nutritional. So you dug into the um the the nutrients thing. So mm -hmm. the processed food is is eliminating nutrients. Mm -hmm. So that was why whole foods are better. Um, of course, 
for the most part when you're when you're cooking your meals because we can talk about the different diets and you can do actually <laughs> Nina brought it up she she said well Oreos are vegan so you, I <laughs> right mean, right okay so so there if we can just dig in a little bit deeper <laughs> on really the health benefits and how to do it in a way that is the most beneficial health way. Okay. So um, foods, whole foods from nature, the way we're supposed to have them, right? Plants, if you eat animals, animals um, from nature uh, are, they come, they're full of vitamins, they're full of minerals. They get them from the ground. They get them from the sun. You, they produce them between those two sources, water. Um, and then we eat them and we get all of those fantastic nutrients. Um, the whole, the concept, if anybody's heard of Ayurveda, it's a, an Indian um, idea of energies. And the idea is that um, your body takes in nutrients, just like plants take nutrients from the sun and nutrients from the soil, your body takes those in. And the closer you are to where those nutrients came from, the more benefit they're going to get from you and the better you're going to feel. Uh, so when you take those foods and you throw them on a shelf for a month, that energy starts to drop off, right? If you take those foods and you process them, like if you take wheat, a, a, a wheat kernel is made up of three different parts. Once that gets processed to turn it into flour, you're getting rid of the two most important parts on the outside and you're just left with that center. So you've gotten rid of most of your nutrients. You've gotten rid of your fiber. Fiber is the way that your body scrubs out the extra parts it doesn't need and you're left with not much. So when when foods are fortified, you care about fortified cereals, fortified grains, breads, dairy products, all kinds of things are fortified. They're trying to get those nutrients back. But when they put them back in, they don't put all the nutrients they took out. They put in some of them. They put them in in different ratios than they appear in nature. And um, the form that they're in the refortified foods in, your body can't necessarily absorb them well. The ratios are wrong or the 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 parts are off and you don't take those in as well. Um, and then the leftover byproducts of those food cause all kinds of issues with um, with the body. Sugar, sugar, it causes inflammation. Um, sugar is one of the things that your body produces on its own when it breaks down processed foods, produces sugars, right? Inside your body causes mm -hmm. inflammation. Fiber kind of helps to mitigate that. Um, when sugar just flies right through your body, that's when you get insulin spikes right? And people have blood sugar goes up. The difference between eating like a tablespoon of raw sugar and an apple is that the apple is full of fiber. So that fiber slows down the passage through your body. You don't get that insulin spike and your body can process that food. Um, the extra stuff moves through you. You don't pack away the extra calories on your body. And, um, and yeah, you don't get that. You don't get the insulin spike. You don't get the inflammation. So anytime you're talking about any kind of processing, you're losing parts and they're probably trying to put other parts back in. So to get the most out of a food, the most benefit, you want it to be the closest to that original product that's coming out of nature as possible. Huh, that's an interesting perspective. And a, and the comparison between a tablespoon of raw sugar and an apple is like, that just makes so much sense because I mean, fruit is full of sugar and that's probably why a lot of people prefer fruit to vegetables. Like it's tastier, but the natural ratio of having the fiber to balance that, like that's something that I'd never heard or thought about. And I'm sure I'm not alone. That's um, oatmeals like that. If you dig into this, all these different kinds of oatmeal on the shelf, there's the stuff in the little packet that you can pour in and add water. And then there's the stuff you have to cook. Mm -hmm. The stuff you have to cook still has more of those, has more fiber in it, has more 
of the original parts of the plant still there. So you have to cook it to break that down a little to be able to have it taste good, really. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that fiber, again, slows its way through the system as opposed to that little packet. They're both oatmeal, yes, but Mm -hmm. one of them is going to give you a much bigger blood sugar spike and it's going to rush through your body. And the other one is going to give you more benefit. There's more nutrients in it from nature Mm -hmm. and um, it's going to move more slowly through your body and leave you in a better way. I want to I want to pivot just a, a little bit if that's okay. I know it's safe to say we've all thought about our diet in one way or another, probably more pe- some people more than others. And we probably have some listeners who are either vegan or trying to be or open to learning more about it and coming right around the corner and even if they just want to think about eating better, Thanksgiving and holidays are a time of the year when everyone struggles emotionally in general. But also foods kind of a focal point for a lot of those celebrations. Do you have any tips that you could share with, like literally this question is for me, like how can I do a better job? But also for our audience, like how to manage like cravings, make better choices, deal with your family, all of all of the things that everyone has to deal with in holiday times. Yeah, family is always fun. Yeah. Those traditional foods, those are, um, they're tough when they're there and mentally you're used to having them. And you get into the house and you smell them. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what I do um, and what I've suggested that other people do is if you know there's something that's going to be a real problem for you, have a conversation in advance with whoever's going to be there and be like, look, can we either make this smaller this year or maybe not have this one particular thing because I know this is going to be a problem food for me. Another thing that I do is I make sure that I bring things and I don't put, um, if I'm having like a big family dinner, I, d- I don't put the responsibility for feeding me on like my mom, for example, who is going to be making this meal, right? I'm like, right. I-, I know she's going to make these things and I know I can't eat these things. So I bring like this big dish of sweet potatoes or wild rice that's going to replace the stuffing that she's cooking. That's going to replace the, um, I can't even think of what she makes anymore because mm-hmm. I've been doing this long enough that, that, People get used to it. Over time, your family gets used to it. And the group people you hang out with, they get used to it. And they start eating your food. Well, you get better at cooking it too, I think, over time. Yeah, you do. (laughs) I think my aunt, I feel like it's interesting because I think she went vegan. And it seems like close to as long ago as you did. Maybe longer, I'm not sure. um, But four or five years sounds about right. And I think that's been a huge struggle for her is coming in. And, you know, we make everything. And she's like, oh, that looks so good. And I can't have any of it. Um, so like, but she, when she first started doing it, it's, it's tough because you're just learning. And so you are substituting some stuff. So like you can still have sweet potatoes. You just can't put a stick of butter in them or, you know what I mean? Like you just do it differently, but you still want it to taste similar or really good. Yeah. I, and I say the other thing that I've both done and recommended to people is like, if I know there's something that's like a staple and you can eat it except for like the sweet potatoes with the butter, there's some amazing vegan butters out there. There's one particular one that I eat all the time. It's made from oat milk, the oat milk they make into butter. It tastes exactly like butter. So oh, wait, I think I have that in my fridge. It actually really so, is. So hi mom. Vegan butter sounds like a oxymoron, yeah. Right? It doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's butter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, here mom, here's this tub. Put this in the potatoes, please. This 
they won't know. Nobody will know the difference. My mom doesn't tell my dad. He'll have no idea that he's not eating butter. Right. Everybody's happy. And then I can eat the dish that everyone else is eating. You know, you can eat that dish. Um, Mushroom gravy instead of turkey gravy. I will tell you, I bring mushroom gravy to Thanksgiving every year and it is gone long before the turkey gravy is. Really? And sometimes it's unexpected. Um, Everybody will give you kind of a little bit of garbage about not eating what everyone else is eating. And then the vegan foods go first. Huh. Do you think that has something to do with human bodies craving real food and like the subconscious need for real food? Uh, my, this is just my opinion. My opinion mm-hmm. on that is that um, as traditional as some of the dishes that hit the table are, sometimes they have gotten to a point where we take the easy way out and use the slightly more processed version of, of things. Mm-hmm. And the whole vegan foods that I bring are whole foods. They're whole vegetables and they have natural sweetness and natural good, strong flavors. And they just, they taste good. So they, they smell good. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh yeah, I want that. And look at all those pretty colors. Mm-hmm. That looks, that looks tasty. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was one other part to your question that I did want to, oh, so the other thing is uh, cravings. Mm-hmm. Cravings, right? Yes. You can Google this. Okay. There's a million of them out there and they show up on Facebook all the time. Mm-hmm. There are, if you are craving this, eat this. If you're craving this, eat this. Really? For every bad processed sugary food out there that you are craving, there is a vegetable or a starch or a fruit or something that maybe your brain hasn't quite worked it out yet. But if you eat that instead in a few minutes, you'd be like, you know what? I don't necessarily want that chocolate anymore. Or I don't necessarily think I need that pizza now because whatever it was that you crave in that particular food, this other food gives you that same um, chemical effect in your body. So whether it's a mental feeling or a physical feeling that the, that is stimulated by that particular food, you get it from this other food instead. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I we'll have to find a link to that and include it in the show notes. I, I have some if um, I can send you. Yes, please. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I fall victim to the after every actual meal I eat, I need something sweet. And I'm sure that that's just like there's some imbalance happening and I can... That is a, I, please share that link. I will probably print it and hang it up all over my house. I, I have a whole bunch of their single screenshots. So they'll send you a bunch of them. Nice. Thank you. Um, I do think so- it's an American tradition to eat sweet after. So I think it's part of our programming even. Mm-hmm. Sweets compact with fats a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what your body is looking for is that that fat seals the deal. And that fat, when your body's processing the fat, um, it stops being hungry. So if there's anything left in there, that sweet fat thing kind of tells your body, okay, now I'm done. Mm-hmm. So you can do it without the sweet. You could have a little you know, avocado and a little piece of cheese if you do dairy or any other any other fats will we'll seal that, finish the deal for you without having the sugar. Huh. Yeah, cheese and wine do that for me. Mm-hmm. It's still wine. Like but... wine. <laughs> Solves all problems. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought mm-hmm. it was necessarily bad. <laughs> <laughs> so... What are your thoughts um, and as far as uh, solutions or options for people who think that eating healthy is too expensive and or Mm -hmm. too complicated? This is one of my favorite, favorite questions. Oh, my goodness. So um, I did this and I have a friend who recently became vegan and he did the same thing. And um, we went back and we looked at our shopping bills before. So things anytime you're buying anything in the center of the grocery aisle and I call it the center because Basically, your whole food, your natural foods are on the outside edge of the grocery store, right? Because they require either refrigeration or in the produce section, right? So it's 
you know, that's all your outside edges, your grocery store. So the center of the grocery store, that's all your processed foods with the exception of like nuts and things like that. When you start buying all that stuff, there's work involved in that. People have to, to do things to those natural foods to get them into those boxes. And that costs money. I looked at old bills from during times when I was not eating quite as healthy and definitely when I was eating meat. Um, and then I compared it to what I pay for things now. And if you think about if you were to go to the grocery store and you were to buy, I'm not even sure what this costs nowadays. What, what is it what, to buy a chicken or something? Probably like just a normal. Well, we're all in different states. So I okay. think it's probably going to look a little different in each state. But I just brought some chicken the other day and I think I got, it was like a pound and a half and it was like six or seven bucks. Okay. Does that sound right, guys? Yeah, if I got a... I just get the $5 Costco yes, chicken. Costco okay, chicken. Okay. okay, so we can work in that range, okay. right? Okay, 5 to six, five to $7, okay, right? Um, and that's just your basic chicken, right? It's pretty staple meat protein, 6 to $7. So um, what do I eat instead of that? Um, so for example, um, lentils. So a bag of lentils costs about $2, and I can get probably about 15 meals out of that. Wow. Yeah. So there's that's, that's significant. You win. That's the protein. That's the protein. Um, and I will tell you, vegetables are so cheap. Veg- when you start buying organic, that can get expensive. So it's just a question of knowing which ones to buy organic and what to buy not organic. There's a lovely website. Uh, if you Google the Dirty Dozen, right, um, it will take you to this website that um, tells you what at this current moment they revise it all the time. The 10 um, worst vegetables out there are so therefore buy those ones organic and it will tell you the other end of the spectrum these are the top 10 vegetables that things like pesticides whatever don't get in there so go ahead and buy the standard version of this vegetable so you buy the standard one save a little money there put your extra money where it counts on the organic that has the biggest problem biggest problems with like pesticides and, and things like that um and then you know organic versus standard growing for vegetables, for fruits, for things like that, you are looking at, at less pesticide. So if it's organic, it can't have pesticides, no chemical pesticides, only natural fertilizers. So organic versus not organic. Um, if you're buying stuff from far away too, right? It's not picked when it's the freshest. It's picked when it's going to last the longest to transport it across the country or across, the, you know, to another country. So if you're buying local versus something far away, it's going to be cheaper to buy local too because it doesn't have to be transported, it doesn't have to be refrigerated. So um, save money by by buying local too. Um, it's sort of the hierarchy for me on, on buying is buy um, organic when it's in the, that dirty dozen, that high pesticide ones. If you can't buy organic, buy local. And then the very best thing you could do for yourself is to buy local organic if that's an option. And the difference between regular organic and I mean, local organic and local not organic at the local level, it's usually not too huge, at least in New England. I'm not sure how that in the rest of the country, but in New England, organic from local farms is is pretty similar in price to to um, the standard grown stuff. Do you go to farmers markets? I do all of the time. Whenever whenever they are open, my local one closed last Sunday. I'm very sad for the year. But we, there are definitely some farms around that run their farm stands as far into the winter as they can. Um, and I definitely, you know, support my local farmers and try to get that local produce as often as possible. So local. So local. Organic season, in season, so seasonal. The, the seasonal is the same thing as the traveling. You know, if you're going to travel from California to 
the East Coast with a vegetable, it's going to be picked unripe, right? If you're talking about eating a vegetable that's out of season, it's almost, it's either come out of a freezer somewhere or it's been transported from farther away and therefore not picked at its prime ripeness. And so it'll have fewer nutrients than something that's that's local and in season. So part of this concept, and I wonder if maybe even a large part of this concept of the fact that it's more expensive and more complicated is that people just aren't used to understanding the different combinations. Like, look, mac and cheese is like a buck 50 probably for a box. Super simple. Boil the water. It's done really quick. So at this point, I mean, I see what you you chop up like fresh, amazing looking stuff. You eat an insane amount of garlic and apparently your intestines are amazing because you eat the hottest Fire of the proof. hot every day. Yeah, I like my hot peppers. But at this point, it seems like you're used to this. Like you kind of understand. So chicken, you, you went straight to lentils. You're like, okay, so I can sub that with this. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have that built in at this point. You've learned it. It's been intentional, but you've learned mm-hmm. it. So- I guess we can, I mean, if you have any resources that you used when you first started that might like eat this, not that, or just simple ideas on ways to integrate more of those vegetables. Because I mean, I would, I would tend to agree that I can go to the produce aisle and buy like bags, leave the store with like bags of produce and it's like under 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not that expensive, but Nina and I had a previous conversation and she's like, yes, but for, for, for people with kids or that are on the run, those things go bad. So it does take maybe more planning. Okay. Yep. The other thing that you can do is buy frozen, Mm -hmm. um, frozen vegetables, People think that maybe frozen isn't as good as fresh. And I would I would definitely eat fresh if I can. But frozen vegetables don't have to be transported before they go bad because they're frozen. So frozen vegetables actually are picked at the peak of ripeness. They've got all those nutrients and then they're just flash frozen. So they're as inexpensive and sometimes less expensive than walking into the produce section and buying the fresh stuff and they're not going to go bad. So if you have a little bit of freezer space, you can buy the frozen version just as good nutrient wise. Huh. Um, That's really good to know. And that would make a huge difference, especially for families, because you can go to Costco and get um, big bags, which is how I get my strawberries and blueberries, mm-hmm. because they are so expensive and they go bad so fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Nina has mentioned Costco twice. I have not told anyone mm-hmm. to go to see their therapist yet this week. So I'm telling everybody to go see their therapist this week. I would love to, I like literally every time we have a conversation, I talk about how much I love my therapist and how everyone needs one. Uh, but you are such a wealth of information. You have, this is obviously such a big part of your life. And I would love to be able to just like call or text you to ask all of the thousands of questions that I have. But <laughs> do you have, just for our audience and for us in general, are there any like small, tangible actions that you could suggest um, coming up into the holidays we've already talked about, but just in general, if people want to do a better job of learning more about their their diet, what they're putting in their bodies, and how to do a better job managing that. What do you think a baby step could be for people who want who just want to do a better job? Ba- baby or steps. advice? Like, what advice would you give? I I, I would basically um, the school I'm going to right now, IIN, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. It's that really that crowding out that um that you know have more of the good stuff before you get to the bad stuff. Um, take, uh, you know, go say if there's a particular food or something or type of food or that's an issue for you, um, have the better foods first 
have more of those and um, less room left over for the others. But um, yeah, it's it's hard to do an over apart from that. It, such a big thing because every literally every person is so different, and what's going to be like a, a trigger, or a good thing, or a bad thing for every person is is is, um, is so. It's so personal. I mean, the, what what you put in your body is is a really. I mean, it's very intimate. It's and I've listened to people who are who are chefs talk about the intimacy of preparing food. It's, um, it's it's extremely personal. So I have total respect for you not having kind of an umbrella phrase for everybody. That's kind of a silly thing to even have with something this specific. Along the lines of everybody go see your therapist. Do you think everyone? should have a relationship with someone like you? Like I feel like nutritionists and people who are focused on kind of full body wellness and, and whole health. I feel like that's a, that's a growing industry. Am I making that up or do you think that's true? Yeah, no, it's definitely a growing industry. I think no matter who you are, Mm -hmm. even, you know, uh, I have all this information. I have a food buddy. Mm Mm-hmm. I have somebody that um, if I need to like talk through a food thing or if I'm like, oh my gosh, I know I, I, I should be doing this or I know I want to do this. I'm like, just talk to me about this. And we sometimes all it takes is somebody literally to talk to me like, you know what? I'm glad we talked about that. I'm going to I'm going to do this. So if you can't, um, I think it's absolutely great to have to have like a, a professional that that you can talk to um, and to get particular specific information from to get some to help you set some general goals to help you work towards more specific goals, to help you put a, a plan in place if you need a plan, if that's just not something that's in the cards and it's not, you know, it's not for everybody. And some people don't need anything that specific. Have have a buddy, have have somebody that you can, um, that y- you can bounce ideas off of and say, you know, hey, what do you think of this? Or do you think I should talk to somebody more specifically about about this thing I read about or about this issue that I'm having with my food or my my overall feeling or energy level or goals? Nice. You know, I heard, I had this lady that I had met a while ago and she said this. I'm going to, I don't see if I'm going to say it right, but she was big into nutrition and she's like, you have no idea how good it is to feel really good mm-hmm. until you feel really good, mm-hmm. which honestly, that sounds real Dr. Seuss-like. But Dr. Seuss <laughs> but is a genius. But it's true. He was. <laughs> but, it, but it's true. And that's what she said. She's um, always been into um, fitness and everything, but she just wasn't doing things in a way that best suited her body. And when she finally found something that was right, she's like, I never knew I could feel this good. I can't tell you how often I hear people say that all of the time they will do little things sometimes little things sometimes big things whole diet changes um and they'll be like you know I know people say you feel good when you do this or you feel good when this is balanced or or when you have this or when you don't have this but I had no idea and now I understand now I understand why they were trying to to tell me you know you gotta try this you gotta you gotta you know your energy is gonna be amazing you're gonna feel light you're gonna be happier more often and sometimes doing it yeah I'm I'm all for experimenting a little on the on the side of food and if there's something that you're like well I've kind of heard about this give it a try give it a period of time and say let's try it for this and see how it makes me feel see what it does to my energy see if I even notice a difference um and if you love it stick with it and if it feels like it's not working for you just because it's working amazing for your friend doesn't mean it's going to be right for you everybody's different it's not working for you find something else try something else 
But give it like a legit chance. Uh, yeah, give it a, give it a couple of weeks anyway. Give something a few weeks so your body has a chance to to really move away from whatever it was you were doing before and really absorb what it is you're trying to do at this, this particular moment. So let me ask you this then. Uh, what that makes me think about right now then, because we talked about going into Thanksgiving, but frankly, we're going into cold and flu season and we have Corona on top of it. And so we've been talking about the regular mitigation efforts, which is masking, washing your hands, social distancing. But it does seem that there's been a lot of additional information coming out about food, immune response, vitamin D, um, collagen, things like that. So have you been integrating any of that into what you're teaching your clients? Yeah. So um, inflammation, I, I've said that about 20 times today, I think inflammation, bad inflammation. Um, inflammation is not all bad information is how your body heals itself. When your body is taking its resources and putting it to work to keep you healthy or to heal things that are wrong with you, um, that's that's the good kind of inflammation. That's what you want. But you want those resources to be available for your body to do that when you need to, to help it protect you from colds and flus and viruses. And when you're doing other things to your body that are causing inflammation and you're eating foods that are full of hormones and foods that are full of pesticides and foods that are, are are full of all of these things, then your body is having to deal with the inflammation caused by those. It has fewer resources to deal with important things like keeping you healthy and helping you recover from viruses and colds. Um, so. so basically what you're saying is like, so you're already inflamed in your body. So you're already that that response is already being utilized. And so then when it's time to utilize it, you don't have the correct. Yep. It's not as strong. So, um, I mean, I'm definitely now more than ever recommending to people to, to as much as possible to, um, whole foods and avoid things like pesticides and hormones in their foods. And, um, you know, make sure you're getting all of your vitamins and minerals, whether it's from food or, or, um, if, if you know that you're not getting it from food and you need to supplement, supplement, however you and your doctor decide is the best way to do that. But make sure you're getting everything your body needs to to keep you strong and to keep you healthy and um, keep us all safe. <laughs> so in an effort to um, kind of engage the people that are hearing this and want to get more information. Did you have any resources or any tips? Um, we do a small tangible action at the end of every episode. Is there anything that you'd like to sh throw out there? There is, um, there is, I, I will send you guys those things, eat this, not that. Yay! And I, I will also send you um, a couple of other similar things and I'll send you the link for the dirty dozen. Um, but there's a, there's a, a doctor that I love, um, Dr. Michael Greger, and he is vegan. And he has a free um, website, nutritionfacts.org. And I love this website because anything you can imagine, it's on there. He talks about all different kinds of things having to do with meat, different kinds of things having to do with vegetables. He talks about pesticides. He talks about like hormones and things. He talks about um, every illness you could imagine and the different effects that food has on all of those different things, whatever it, it, he's done it. Um, and he has a team of people he has a nonprofit organization and these people are health professionals and their job is literally just to go through all of the studies and all of the journals and all of the stuff out there and pick out the valid and good stuff and bring it together in a nice neat little package that we can access without having to go through all the scientific jargon. It's amazing. Yay. So I would definitely recommend that website, nutritionfacts.org. Checking it out.
We will put that in the show notes. And did you want to share with everyone where they can find you if they wanted to connect? Yeah. So uh, right now my website is down, unfortunately. It's being worked on and I'm reopening up with a new name. Um, But until then, just um, if people want to reach out to my personal email, I'm completely good with that. Um, It's brienne.chalette at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to answer any questions anybody has or help anybody finding um, other resources. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you so much. This is so helpful and interesting. Yes. And not terrifying. I was very worried. I was going to be scared. (laughs) It shouldn't be terrifying food and and that's your life. That's what everybody has to do every day. It shouldn't be scary. It should be happy and easy. But it is, it has become one of those things though, that it's like, there's the shame game. Mm -hmm. There's the, I know more than you do. There's the sad, the Mm -hmm. fact that like on a, on a very high level, we actually have professionals and (laughs) people in the industry and not even people in the industry that know how damaged Mm -hmm. our American diet is, and yet we're still doing it. So I don't know. It is. It's tough. But that's why we want to have these conversations to make it not tough Mm -hmm. and to bring actual, you know, real resources and thoughts to it. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on another episode of Diversity on Fire. We hope you were inspired to think more deeply. To uh, facilitate that deep thought, uh, the call to action this week is to check out nutritionfacts.org. The link for that can be found in the show notes. We really appreciate you guys joining in with us every single week. And again, we really hope that it inspires you to think more deeply and engage on other levels in terms of your own personal health and with us in general. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please reach out. You can reach us at info at diversityonfire.com. That's our email address, or you can leave us a voice note. The link for that can be found in the show notes. Uh, Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening now. That way you never miss an episode. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Diversity on Fire. Please share the show with everyone you know so more people can join in these important conversations. Mm